Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Imagine More. Today, we are here with my friend, Brett Hagler, and fellow Florida State alum. He is the CEO and co-founder of New Story. He's a Y Combinator graduate, author, cancer survivor, 2016 Forbes 30 Under 30 entrepreneur. His company, New Story, is recognized as one of Fast Company's most innovative companies in the world. He's amazing, and I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. Hey, we've got Brett Hagler on the show. Brett, we're so excited to have you. Hey, Chantel. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Well, I am so excited to learn a little bit more about you. And uh, in full disclosure, we are friends and fellow graduates of Florida State. So no some, um, but I I would love for you to educate the listeners on what you have going on and and your entrepreneurial journey so far. Yeah, looking forward to it. So uh, the high level of what I do today is uh, I run an organization called New Story, um, which is a nonprofit that I started up almost three years ago. And what we do is we build villages um, in the developing world. And uh, we've been doing that now um, almost three years. Um, and we uh, do everything from uh, funding homes for and building homes for almost about $6,000 per home um, to getting a, a large piece of land and designing uh, really a village with other components such as a school, um, clean water, solar power, et cetera. And I am based in San Francisco and have a full-time team of uh, 10, 10 team members that I'm really lucky to, to do life with. So that's the high level. That's great. Well, and since last time we've spoke, you've actually, it seems like the terminology has changed or shifted a little bit. And before it was houses and now it's villages, which is awesome. Yeah. It's not necessarily a pivot. I think it's more of like growing into it. Um, so the very beginning we were, um, really trying to, uh, fund very like simple houses for families um, that are in desperate need that I met after a personal trip that I took down to Haiti. And we were really trying to just create a um, more transparent experience for the donors. And so we uh, we crowdfunded all the homes, uh, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. So you got to meet the family, see them online, see their kids, read their story, give directly to them. 100% of what was given uh, would go towards building the house, which is built by local workers. And then we send move-in videos. When the families move in, it's one of the best days of their lives. And if you donated, you got to see the end result. Uh, and what happened, Chantel, was that uh, very kind of simple, transparent concept uh, caught on a little bit. And we started growing. And all of a sudden, we had you know, a few hundred homes and realized that, holy smokes, like we actually have like a village and a community. And so we really grew into the idea of, yes, we fund homes, but there's a much bigger idea and that if you can fund all of these and build all these homes in kind of one localized area, well, you then have a platform that you can um, bring on other partners for components, as I mentioned, as like a school or clean water or microloans, et cetera. And so that we use partners to do that. Um, but that's what it's evolved into. That's amazing. And it sounds like it stemmed off of a personal trip of yours. Let's, let's talk totally. about your personal journey um, and, and what kind of yeah. got you to that place. 
Yeah, the super short version is that uh, I never thought that I would start a charity or like do anything with charity. Um, you knew me in college a little bit and, um, this was not what I wanted to do. Um, and so I actually got into, um, entrepreneurship, I started a for-profit company, um, right out of college. Just wanted to try to make as much money as I could. And, and then about two years out of college, um, I, I graduated in 2012. Um, I kind of just got sick of really just living for myself and um, no bigger purpose than really what I could get um, for me and what other people thought about me and, and all that stuff of um, really checking the box. And so uh, I had a, a, a kind of 180 in my personal life um, through, a, through a revived Christian faith. And then that sent me down on a trip um, to Haiti, which is actually the poorest country on our hemisphere. And I had never seen anything like this before. Um, I was a total noob, like knew nothing about this stuff. And and I just had my world rocked um, on the trip. And so it came back and uh, decided to eventually try to do something about it. That's neat. And what sparked the, the you mentioned full transparency. So were you frustrated with the typical nonprofit world? Yeah. When I was down there, I didn't have an epiphany to say like, hey, I want to go back and start a charity. Um, it was, I already, actually already thought there was probably way too many organizations. Um, I was trying to find one that I could really champion and get behind and like be excited about. Uh, and I basically couldn't, couldn't really find that. And then also uncovered another problem, which was a lack of trust and skepticism um, of how American donors face, uh, felt. In America. So if you're listening and I asked you, um, if you gave like not 10 bucks, but like a significant amount of money, let's call it a thousand dollars online right now to a larger international charity, would you trust exactly where it's going and how it's being spent? And it turns out that about 43% of people would say they don't trust it. And so that's when kind of the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial side took over and said, okay. Here's a problem. How do we kind of reverse engineer that and create an experience um, to to kind of to change that disconnect between the the kids that I met that didn't have one of like life's most basic needs, which is safety and shelter, which is just crazy. Um, disconnect between that and then the the skepticism that um, that potential donors had, and so that was how it originally happened. That's really neat. And you mentioned that entrepreneurial spirit and how it kicked in. Were you surrounded by people growing up? Did you have mentors or advisors or, or people that inspired you to start your own company? Or was it just a, you know, a great opportunity and you saw a need and you carved that path for yourself? Yeah, I never even really thought about entrepreneurship until probably my junior year in college. Um, I think in hindsight, like two things um, helped me become uh, I guess an entrepreneur. Um, the first was just uh, sports. I think a, a lot of the characteristics in sports are, are, are really good kind of DNA forming stuff for an entrepreneur. And then I also had um, uh, uh, an adversity in um, high school. I, I dealt with, uh, went through cancer and came out as um, all, all good there. But that was a lot of adversity that really instilled uh, gratitude and some grit down into my bones, which has certainly helped as an entrepreneur. Um, but in college, I just, I think I like, I don't know, I saw like the social network or something and was like, mm -hmm. 
wow, this is crazy. You can be really young and have like no accomplishments on paper and like you can control um, what you want to do. And the only thing really stopping you from doing something is uh, limited beliefs of starting. And so uh, I started to um, to read a lot of books about entrepreneurs, started listening to podcasts and all that stuff and just really became obsessed with learning. Um, and I and, and in my opinion, that's a really good way for people to start is just by like learning and and if you if you find yourself becoming like more and more obsessed with the learning side of that, I think that means that um you, you probably have entrepreneurship uh, in you sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think coupling the learning piece with the grit, right? So people, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, you know, they, everyone wants to learn and people want to grow, but the execution piece, I think, is one of you know, something that's extremely valuable in an entrepreneur is that then you can learn something and also execute it um, and know that you don't have to know everything, but, you know, you're going to figure it all out, out along the way. Um, would, you, totally. would you say that grit and that learning piece have been one of the more influential factors in the business success today, or is there something else that comes to mind? Yeah, I think, uh, I think grit is probably number one. Um, and and I would say uh, I, I I usually describe that answer as a um, combination of determination and discipline. So because a, a lot of people can be very motivated, right? Like you can watch a Gary Vaynerchuk video or a Tony Robbins video and be all jacked up on trying to go do something, right? You can be motivated, but what it really comes down to is: Are you day in day out going to have the discipline? to do a lot of the hard things um, that are super hard and that you don't want to do because they're uncomfortable and it doesn't make sense and nobody else is doing it. Like, are you or are you not can actually do that? And I think um, if I look back on, uh, I guess, my short career as an entrepreneur and a CEO, I've understood that those are really the moments that are that are testing. And um, there's a lot of things that I, I don't have as strengths, but I think having that discipline along with um, like extreme de- determination has probably been the number one reason for the, um, the little success that we've had. Nice. I'm glad that you touched on the strengths part. I think everyone I've been talking to, um, for the most part, has seem, seemingly is very self-aware. And they know their strengths, they know what they're not good at also, and then can find the people around them that are great at that to, to balance. What would you say your top strength is? Yeah, I think it's around um, being able to, uh, to have a, a larger vision and a goal and then rally people around that. So that could be your team members, that can be um, investors, in our case, that can be donors, that can be partnerships. Um, So most people would call that leadership, Um, but I think that's my strength is, hey, here's a big idea, and then how do we assemble the right people and get them um, on board to sign up for this vision? Um, so that, that would be my strengths. And then some of the weaknesses is probably more on the, um, more on the actual operations side. And I've been extraordinarily lucky to have an incredible COO and a co-founder. Her name's Alexandria. And, um, and so she balances me out there and, uh, and we work pretty well together with that balance. 
That's great. And, and I know we've had some conversations offline and for our listeners, Brett is a tremendous goal setter. And I think that you cast a vision so well, and, and we've kind of exchanged some spreadsheets about you, you know, here's the vision and then you make it bite size from week one, week two week. And I mean, it's amazing. And did you learn that from the book traction or was that something you learned from? Uh, That's actually, uh, uh, so that I know that's part of traction and that, and I'm, and I'm certainly aware of that. I would say that that has certainly influenced it. Um, originally got that concept um, through a program that we went through called uh, Y Combinator, which I actually highly refer for anybody listening to um, check out some of the resources that they have out on entrepreneurship. Um, if you just Google like Y Combinator resources, there's a lot of, uh, in my opinion, kind of gold on, on startups. Um, so that's where it started. And the basic like principle is you have your, 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 your really big idea and then you, you re- we call it reverse engineer, um, that down into a couple main annual goals, which then breaks down into your quarterly goals, which then breaks down into monthly goals and then all the way down to weekly and daily is kind of the, the ladder that we have set up. That's great. I, I think, and that certainly I imagine helps you optimize your day to day and know, you know, those high performance tasks that you actually need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, I think for anyone that is listening and either you're in a leadership position or you want to one day, I think you always have to connect what you're working on this quarter, this month, um, to, to the overall vision. And, uh, one thing I've learned is that you, you, you can't communicate that enough right? It's like the more you do it, the better. And you may think you're sounding repetitive, but you're actually not um, because you're, you're, you're just, you're helping influence and, um, and really not even motivate, but give purpose to your team members of why you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that. You meant like on the give purpose, we've been interviewing quite a bit, um, and recruiting for some new roles, which is really exciting. But one of the things that almost every person has mentioned in their interview is they want to work somewhere where they feel like they're making a difference. And, and that goes back into that giving the team purpose. Uh, sometimes if I imagine if they have trouble articulating it, it would be difficult for them to feel passionate about what they're doing every day. Totally. Yeah. Let's talk about your day to day. So busy, you're, you know, growing a heat company, you've got 10 teammates. How do you optimize your day? What are some tools or techniques you use to stay organized? Yeah. So I think it starts by first, um, really like before I go into the day, which is super important, um, starting first with having, having your big priorities and then breaking those down to where for the week you should know the main we have we actually call it the main thing so each team member in each department has one main thing for the week that if all else fails like they need to get that done um so from a weekly standpoint i have that main thing which comes from the what i talked about before of having the the monthly main things and the quarterly main things um but then that helps give me clarity on what's the most important thing for me to do during the day and so my daily routine, um, I try to keep very consistent, even though I, I travel a good bit, is uh, I have a, a pretty strict um, morning routine before I get into the office um, that really just consists of 
personal time, um, reading, prayer, uh, um, journaling, and then uh, the gym, which is like kind of my my meditation at the gym. And then I get into the office um, relatively early. And I have from about 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. like blocked off where I'm trying as much as I can not to take meetings, not to take phone calls and team members. Um, it's just uh, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., which is three hours of unblocked time that I call maker time. And that's when I'm working on things that are a little more creative or bigger picture that I just really need my own space to do. Um, now, of course, you can't always hold that every day. And if things come up, you can, of course, make changes. But that's the goal is to have maker time in the morning. And then in the afternoon is manager time. So then I that's when I try to book my my meetings or my one-on-ones with team members or phone calls, um, et cetera, is all in the afternoon. And then I'll, I'll usually wind down um, at night with you know one or, one or two other things. But that's a typical day. And did you find that you're just far more productive in the morning? So that's why you were intentional yeah. about setting aside that time? Yeah, totally. For me, I'm a, I'm a morning person. I am a, I, I pass out at night, usually before 10 PM. So I'm not like a night owl and I, I just find my, my brain is functioning the best and creativity is the best in the morning. And so that's when I kind of use my, um, creative things or like when I need to write something or whatever it might be for the morning. That's great. And I've only been able to so far, I can certainly be better about this, but block off Tuesdays to work on the business instead of in the business. And it sounds like awesome. you've, you've found a way every day. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a chunk of the day, um, but, but that's, it's not always the case, right? There, things come up and when you're, you're traveling and stuff like that, it's not always the case, but that's what I aim for. Okay. Fair enough. Well, you mentioned traveling a lot, super busy. Where and when do you learn and where, how do you get inspired um, when you're maybe yes. abroad or traveling somewhere else? I listen a lot to uh, audiobooks. So I use Audible and podcast. So I'm, I usually do, like I can do it in the gym. Um, and so I usually have 50 minutes to an hour where I'm listening to a podcast or working my way through an audio book, um, and then just kind of in transient as well. So I walk to work. So when I walk home at night, I usually have 20 ish minutes where I can listen. Um, or it is any other time I have my headphones in and, and I'm trying to listen to something. Um, and then I, on Sundays, I try to carve out, um, a couple hours for actual like physical reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I usually am listening to stuff. Okay. Are you, do you like personal reading, like fun, you know, not learning, but just fun reading? Uh, <laughs> fun reading. I, I, I need to get better at that. Um, I don't, I, I would say, so I have, I, I mean, I do a lot of the typical and, and I think they're great, like leadership management, you know, business books, lead, all that stuff, which I think is awesome. Uh, but then more of my, I guess, fun stuff where I'm not growing uh, business-wise would be more around um, like like my faith and and more th- kind of that space, um, which I you know if you kind of it, it does help obviously with 
the business side and like leadership and all that stuff. But that's what I'll spend time on. Certainly. I asked, and, and this is more of a personal thing, but I have trouble sometimes reading all of the business books that are stacking on the side of my, you know, bedside table because, or if I'm reading a personal book, I, I feel guilty because I need to be reading that business book. So I think there's a balance. Like I think it's a really, really healthy to whatever the cadence you want to set up where it's like, I don't know, one business book, one personal book or, or whatever that is. I usually have, um, two business books and then like one personal or like inspirational kind of faith-based thing for me. That's, that's how I try to split it up, but anyone can kind of set their own thing. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great balance. Is there a book or a podcast or audiobook that you listen to lately that, you know, you can't stop thinking about? Yeah. Um, let's see. A podcast that I really like is, uh, God, there's a bunch. Um, so there's a newer one that's really cool um, out of Silicon Valley called, uh, not the show Silicon Valley, but from the actual place with like real people. Uh, it's called Masters of Scale with um, the co-founder of Reed Hoffman. It's a newer one. It's like really cool. And then another one that I absolutely love, which not many people have heard of, I don't think, um, it's called the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. Um, Andy is a, a pastor in Atlanta, but the podcast really has nothing to do about like faith or being a pastor. It's just all about leadership. Uh, and that is one of my favorite go-to ones. Okay. Well, I'll have to link those for the listeners and certainly take a look at myself. Um, day to day, if there could be one thing that you could take off your plate today, what, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. Um, (laughs) uh, let's see. Well, we just, um, person, I mean, business wise, we just hired somebody last week that is going to be taking a lot of things off my plate. So that's, that's one way to do it. Um, you know, I don't have any, I mean, that, that is going to solve a lot of the, the stuff on, on the business side. Um, but I think when you have, when you have too much on your plate, what I've gotten better at doing is just, um, I've just stopped doing things. So instead of like really loading my plate with a lot of stuff, I'll just say, Hey, this is all the things going on. And I'm going to like literally write out what are the most important things and the more that I have on there, the more I obviously dilute all the rest. Um, and then I try to cut it. So like one short example is uh, Warren Buffett. And like w- one of the really cool things he does each year is he writes down um, 20 things, like 20 big things that he wants to accomplish for the year, like 20 goals, right? And then he goes back and he crosses out, I think it's like 15 or 14 of them where he only has like three to five goals. And that's, that's all he focuses on. And so whenever I feel a little bit overwhelmed or there's too much on my plate, I I really try to just kind of zoom out, look at everything going on and then just cut stuff and then just like stop doing it. Wow. So I've imagined, I imagine you've had to get uh, pretty proficient at saying no to a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there's, it's, as time's gone on, there's there's certainly more things that come up. Um, so yeah, I mean you've got to you've got to say no. 
I like that Warren Buffett idea about the goals and was speaking to a podcast guest a couple weeks ago about Trello. Do you use Trello? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our team does. Okay. It's really good. We haven't yeah. started using that yet. We've used, we use teamwork for our project management, but Trello seems like a good visual for, you know, kind of brain dumping all of the things you do and then maybe moving them to different columns based okay. on what I want to do, what I don't. I have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So one, actually one book recommendation that is kind of on that stuff I was just talking about of like cutting out um, and not diluting yourself. It's called the one thing. Really, really good. Like our whole team has read it. It's uh, really awesome. It's called the One Thing. I, I, we just read that as a team. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. Have so I got another recommendation from someone else. And the next book apparently that we should read is called Essentialism. Have you heard of that one? I, I yeah, I did that one a while ago. I probably need to do it again, but highly recommend. You liked it. Totally. That's great. Is there anything? you know, anything that you wish you would have known, um, when you first got started or something that you're really looking forward to over the next couple months, um, that you'd love to share with the guests. So what I wish I knew when I first got started, uh, yes, I would say when I first got started, um, and in our story, we kind of like, I moved from Atlanta to, Silicon Valley and and when you get out to Silicon Valley, there's I mean there's a ton of pros um, but you can also get uh, a little brainwash that Everything is about growth and growth rates and it's like if you're not growing Extremely fast then something's wrong and so for my first like year and a half almost two years I really prioritized everything through the funnel of is this going to help us grow faster or not? And it turns out that that's not the best way to grow a company, in my opinion. Um, and so what I would say and what I would recommend to, to anyone starting a business um, is to actually focus on getting better before bigger, which is actually the theme of our team this year, is to get better before bigger. Because if you can get better, then your customers are going to demand that you get bigger. So I wish I knew that earlier. Um, I think we were trying to probably get bigger and then better as we go, but better before bigger is is really important. And that's been the theme for the whole year or a particular quarter? Yeah. yeah, so that's the team. Like We try to do one little mantra like that for the year, and that's what it is for this year. I love that. I'm going to... Yeah. Take that back. That's a good piece of advice. <laughs> I love this yeah, theme. Yeah, that's good. I didn't make it up. That's what happens when you listen to a lot of podcasts and books. <laughs> you, you all of a sudden become like smarter and more creative. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the more you listen to people, you hear people say smart things, which like they didn't make up either, right? They they heard it somewhere else. <laughs> and, um, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, that's really good. And it's like, yeah, I just stole it from this other person but (laughs) well you can coin that one I'll I'll give you a credit on (laughs) in the show notes (laughs) um what's next on the horizon any fun adventures speaking engagements so that we can follow along uh let's see I mean you could follow news story on our social channels um and and kind of follow along with what we're doing there. We'll be hiring a little bit more in the future. Um, internships are always 
available. And yeah, we're just, um, we've got off to a, a decent start to the company. We're about three years in now and now just really looking into to the new phase. So um, we've got a couple like pretty innovative, um, more risky things that we're planning to do over the next six months um, that, that will be coming out soon, but nothing at the current moment. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to follow along and cheer you on in the meantime. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, is the best way through the website or? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, pretty active on Twitter. So it's just my name, uh, Brett Hagler on Twitter. And then um, you can email, um, which is just Brett, uh, B-R-E-T-T, at newstorycharity.org. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Love chatting with you, Brett. Thanks again.